You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today we are joined by Tim Pauly of Broken Bat Brewing. We will learn from Tim about what goes into operating a brewery and what the future holds for Broken Bat. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit mute. We'll be right back. Polly, welcome to City Beat. Hey Jeremy, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. I realized I said the name wrong in the intro. Broken Bat Brewery, not brewing. I want to get that correct. You know, we actually did a, a little bit of a, a brand uh, reshuffle. We are a brewing company instead of brewery, so you actually nailed it. Ah, all right. So, well, yeah, you're good well, to go. Update the website. <laughs> it is behind. There you go. Uh, before we go any further, though, tell people a bit about yourself. How did you go from being in a brewery, uh, or what did you do before you opened a brewery, what inspires someone to open a brewery? It seems like it's a competitive market. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, so I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin here. I uh, went to Pius High School, went to Marquette University, uh, studied economics and business over there, and found myself in corporate America for about six years. And uh, my best friend of about 25 years, Dan McKelvey, my business partner, uh, got really into home brewing um, back in early college. And to be perfectly honest with you, we were just kind of barking about our day jobs one night back in 2012 and um, came up with the bright idea to open a taproom and brewing company. And uh, the rest is history. We opened up in, in April 2017 and we're rocking and rolling. One of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is you had a bit of a setback at some point there. We did, yeah. Uh, tell people what happened. We did. So actually the uh, one year anniversary is coming up tomorrow on it. Um, on May 15th of 2018, um, we used City Steam to heat our brewing equipment, which is a really awesome um, byproduct that We Energies provides for us, and uh, a steam pipe actually just failed and blew up in our brewery overnight, and more or less melted us down to a puddle. So, <laughs> from Tuesday night at about midnight until Tuesday or Wednesday morning, about 4:30 in the morning, we had 400 degree steam coming in. Um, all of our sprinkler heads were going off, so we were in about a foot of water, and uh, we had to start over more or less. And was anyone hurt in this? No, I uh, think the good Lord in heaven. Uh, no, but somebody could have been hurt. <laughs> so it, it missed our, our staff closing up by about an hour, which was terrifying to look back on. But uh, all things considered, couldn't happen at a better time. And when you say you were basically had to start over, what actually all goes into that? Because you had a lot of your equipment, <laughs> yeah. I believe, was actually ruined. Yeah. So everything in our brewery besides the tanks themselves were completely lost. So we were down to the studs and we had to empty the place out completely. Um, so pretty much um, got to take all the little mistakes we made the first time, adjust them, make the changes that we needed to, and, and we got our uh, operations back up and running at the end of July. So it felt like an eternity <laughs> at the time, <laughs> but looking back on it, it was only about 10 and a half weeks that we were down. Yeah, I was fact-checking some things before we came on air on my way over here, and I was like, well, they closed at some point, <laughs> and it, it felt like forever, and maybe yeah. it was just because when it happened, it was right at the start of baseball season or something, mm -hmm. and you guys were on my mind. But yeah, it was only two months, and I'm. it seems like you're... Better off for it, I assume. You know, it, it was a, a blessing in disguise, really. We got to, uh, like I said, make some of the changes that we needed to make. And then we got our operations back up and running just in time for what was one of the most magical, you know, ends of a brewer season that I've ever been alive for. So we didn't miss any of the playoffs or end of the season when we took down our Chicago Cub rivals in game <laughs> 163, which was awesome. Um, but, yeah, we, we truly uh, we used the opportunity to better ourselves for it. And, you know, we swallowed our pill that first day. It was pretty miserable. Not going to lie, we were drinking the few cans of beer that survived at about 5 in the morning that day. 
But, uh, <laughs> you know, we just got to work like we did the first time and got our hands a little dirty and, and made sure things were up and running as quickly as we could. Well, baseball is linked to your brewery beyond just the name of it, mm-hmm. which is a reference to a broken bat, uh, something that happens, I was going to say quite a bit, but I guess not quite a bit. Eh, it, it happens a decent amount, but baseball permeates itself through everything in your brewery. There are bobbleheads on display. Mm-hmm. There are Cracker Jack at the tables. <laughs> yeah. uh, and all your beers are named after different baseball things. They I are. guess what... Uh, what inspired this? What keeps you going at it? Yeah, so um, like I said, Dan is my partner, and, and he really is the beer guy in the equation. Um, so I'm in love with baseball as he's in much in love with beer. Um, and and I just took a passion and, and took Dan's passion, and we just, you know, made a baby out of it. And I've been a lifelong Brewers fan. I've played baseball pretty much my whole life. Um, nothing competitive or, you know, I wasn't on a fast track to the majors or anything, but just a lifelong love affair with the game of baseball. And... We try really hard not to make ourselves a, a Milwaukee Brewers brewery. Like we make sure to kind of give ode to you know the Red Sox and the Cubs and um, Onus Wagner, you know the the expensive baseball card that's out there. But um, everything we do has a tie back to the game of baseball for sure. And how did you? I guess we didn't talk about where the brewery actually is. It's in the lower level spot in the historic Third Ward. Yeah. What made you think, hey, this is a great spot to open a brewery? <laughs> so again, the, the the plan is just sort of aligned for us. Um, it's a space that uh, a friend of ours, dad, has owned the building for about 30 years, and it, it's been all sorts of different things. So it was a, um, an art gallery. It was a furniture store. It was everything under the sun except a tap room. And um, we were just hitting dead end after dead end, looking for spaces closer to Miller Park or in areas that we kind of were familiar with over in Wauwatosa. And um, his tenant just left kind of overnight, like the Baltimore Colts, you know, back in the day, <laughs> just packed up and, <laughs> and took off and... Um, he called us and said, do you guys want it? And we signed our lease that day, really. So it was just, uh, we gave up space for a location and we shoved as much as we possibly could into a 2,200 square foot unit. And, uh, you know, we're making it work so far. And now what comes next? Cause I know you have big plans. Yeah, we do. So we were, uh, we were really lucky to, to pick up a customer just South of the border in uh, Wrigley field this year. So we're shipping our beer down to Wrigley. We're just busting at the seams. No pun intended. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we just we can't keep up, which is an amazing problem to have. So we are uh, in the process of publicly announcing our expansion to a new building in the Fifth Ward in April of 2020. So and that is, if I'm not mistaken, the building is the building on Pittsburgh that has the giant Royal Enfield the, yep, logo on the it, side of it. It is known as the Royal Enfield <laughs> building, and that's where we're moving to. And what changes when you move there? Are you trying to pick up some more customers? Yeah, absolutely. So production will bump by um, about four and a half times. Um, We're going to be able to have a a larger tap room. So right now our tap room is very limited space-wise. Unfortunately, you know, we've had people come down the steps and it's so full they'll just leave. I've been one of those people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sorry about that. (laughs) So we shouldn't run into that problem in the future. Um, We'll also have a private event space that we don't have right now. So anything that... You know, we'll get an email asking for a 20-person birthday party, and if it's over eight people, we pretty much just say, you know, we'd love to have you down, but can't guarantee any space. Um, and, yeah, it'll just allow us to expand our footprint in the Milwaukee market, hopefully grow in Chicago a little bit, in Illinois, and, um, you know, just make it a little bit more comfortable for people down at the tap room. Well, I want to ask you, I guess, some academic questions at first, and then I kind of want to explore this, this Wrigley Field connection, because yeah. that really interests me. Sounds good. But how many barrels are you brewing today in terms of what is your capacity? So our max capacity is around 700 barrels in a year, um, and we're on pace to hit that. So right now, in the first four months of the year, we've been max capacity since uh, the beginning of January, which is, again, a really nice problem to have. But we're going to be able to bump up close to about 2,500 barrels 
with the new setup that we're going with uh, at the new building. And that's that's a huge increase, but that's still not p- going to put you in the world of like Lakefront Brewery. Oh yet. God, no, no, <laughs> no. There there are there are titans in this city, and we're not even going to come close. But um, well, it, w- it will allow us to to not have to say no to bars or restaurants or you know other baseball facilities across the state that have inquired about carrying our beer. And right now, we have to just be really really uh, picky about who we sell our beer to. Um, and we'd like to not have to be so picky. And who are you selling your beer to right now? Do you have a distributor? Or are you doing it all oh, no, kind of word of mouth? You're looking at them. I, I've got a, a delivery van, and um, you know, if we're driving down to, to Wrigley to do deliveries, it's you know four four thirty in the morning. Try to beat the traffic, get down there. Um, but yeah, we just you know we'll throw beer in our truck and and deliver it all over the you know southeast Wisconsin. And how many bars are you in today? Um, we just picked up our ninth. Uh, different establishment actually uh, last week so we're over at uh, some local places we're at drink wisconsinly which is a really neat place over by the fiser forum um, celeste restaurant is uh, a vegan restaurant over on the east side a um, couple sprinkled out kind of in the the boonies a little bit um, <laughs> and then, like i said we're at wrigley and uh, the wicked hop we've got some beers over there so um, yeah it, it's just going to be a nice transition into pursuing places to sell our beer instead of having to have people come to us and, and say no. So the Wicked Hop, do you deliver that one on foot? That's the easiest one. <laughs> yep. That one, that one, I just take a, uh, a little pallet runner and, uh, and wheel it over. So yeah. Very nice. Yep. I look forward to seeing more <laughs> of your beer being delivered on foot. <laughs> Tell me a bit about how the Wrigley Field deal came to be. It's not directly with the Cubs. I believe it's with whoever their concessionaire is, Levy Restaurants. Levy. Yep. You how do you, uh, how do you get a deal like that? So, you know, it, I hate to just keep saying how like serendipitous our business has been, but there's just a lot of things that happen um, organically. And last summer, uh, right after we reopened, the Cubs were in town for a series uh, towards the end of the year. And a higher up at Levy Restaurants came down to the tap room with his wife and daughter, and they just had a really nice time. So he actually brought our name and contact information, unbeknownst to us, back to his purchasing team and said, pretty much go get these guys and, and bring them in next year. So... It, you know, it, we had no idea who he was when he came down, and that's kind of how we, we treat every customer that comes in the door. You just, you never know. And thankfully, he had a, a wonderful experience, liked the beer, loved the, the atmosphere. And um, I brought some beer down to Levy in November, and it turned from an interview to more of just a conversation about baseball, about beer, about Milwaukee, about Chicago, you know. Um, and then their plans for us ramped up really quickly, and uh, come February, the first purchase order came over. If I want to get your beer at Wrigley Field, where am I going? How much is on tap or what's all available? So they know how small we are. So thankfully they're starting us in kind of a small area, but it's called the W Club. And it's a season ticket holder area under the third base um, grandstands. And we have two beers down there. So we have a Mexican lager with lime called Cory Cory, which is one of our best sellers. And then they also brought in um, our Pilsner, which is called the Golden Sombrero. So those are the two that are available down in uh, Chicago for purchase. And for our listeners, connect those two references back to <laughs> yeah. baseball. So Corey Corey is actually, um, i got to give credit where credit is due. My wife is a big Bud Light Lime fan. So she said, you got to make a Mexican lager that tastes good and throw some lime in it. And uh, she's also bilingual. She speaks fluent Spanish. And she said, you should call it whatever the term for a pickle or a rundown is in Spanish, which translates to Corey Corey, which ah, is okay. run, run in Spanish. So she came up with the, the beer and the branding behind it, and it's become one of our most popular beers. Golden Sombrero on the other side is actually sort of a negative for hitters. If you strike out four times in one game, um, you wear the proverbial Golden Sombrero in the locker room after the game. So don't want to strike out four times in one game. You might not know this yet, but how many baseball stadiums does Levy Restaurants uh, manage the concessions for? Are you looking at something that 
hey, we want to get into pro- progressive field or whatever it's called in Cleveland. Or, yep, yeah, yep. That is definitely part of the play. A really cool thing that they have, um, they have a sister company that has exclusive agreements with all the minor league stadiums across the country. So major league stadiums are awesome. Wrigley is just, you know, is a can't miss opportunity. But we know that being a craft brewery, our brand actually lends itself to more independent and smaller facilities across the country. So we're really interested in getting with the, you know, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers or like we just signed a partnership with the Lakeshore Chinooks this year, which is a um, amateur league team up in Mequon. So we've got a, a co-branded beer with them and there's the Kenosha Kingfish. And, you know, there there's teams like that all over every state that we would love to hit their facilities and get beers into. And are you looking at the independent teams like the St. Paul Saints or is oh, yeah. also the affiliated teams as well? You know, if whoever will buy it. <laughs> so my, my big thing right now is if they play baseball and they sell beer, We'd love to be there. Yeah, there's a lot of softball teams that just got really interested <laughs> <Yeah>. in here. <laughs> We're actually sponsoring a softball team for the first time this year. So Awesome. Yep. And so what does your agreement with the Chinooks look like? So it's a just to start, it's a two-year agreement, and we are actually sponsoring their left field beer garden, um, which is called the Broken Bat Brewing Company Beer Garden. So we have some beers available out there, and they are promoting this year as the year of 19 because Robin Yount is actually um, sort of the, the front man and one of the owners of the team. So they're celebrating, you know, he wore number 19, it's 2019. So we brewed a beer with them using Chinook hop only. That's called Chinook 19 IPA. And it's going to be available um, at our tap room at the uh, Capco Park up in Mequon and then a couple of places that they're in partnership with uh, up in the Mequon area. So pretty excited about the, the opportunity to do a little bit of branding with them and also have an exclusive beer that you're only going to be able to get at a few places uh, for this summer. So I assume you're chomping at the bit to probably get more of these deals underway, but do you have to move first to even be able to <laughs> yeah. execute them? Yeah, uh, there there are some things, you know, as they, they say, on the hot stove. Um, but Another, we, wow, a great baseball Yeah, reference. I mean, I can go all day. <laughs> yeah. I could go all day. But, yeah, there, there are just things that we have to sit tight on, um, you know, because there is sort of a curse of growing too fast, and you get in over your skis, and all of a sudden you overpromise and underdeliver, and then you look bad. And in this industry, with how competitive it is and how much – incredible beers being brewed in the city of Milwaukee, you kind of get one shot and you got to make sure to do it right at the first try. So, Well, that, I guess I have a couple questions and you had a great segue there to my next question. Yeah. Is, do we have too many breweries in Milwaukee? Oh God, I, no. d- I don't want you to answer that <laughs> yet. Yeah, you, you just did. But when does the move actually happen? I don't know that you said that. Yeah. So we are, are moving out of our space and a new brewery is moving into our space on April 1st of 2020. So we have a, a little bit of time to get our stuff ready. But I don't think there are too many breweries in Milwaukee, just based on some of the kind of studies around the country, I guess. You know, there are meccas of brewery cities where you'd never know about the city and the state if it wasn't for beer. So I know, you know, Bend, Oregon and uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan and Asheville, North Carolina. And I, I don't see why Milwaukee, Wisconsin isn't on that list. I know we've sort of got the giant shadow of Miller Coors up here and, you know, the, the Miller monster, but... Um, we're going after a different crowd than they are for the most part. So I, at this point, I'd say bring them on. You know, the more breweries, the better. It makes people travel here. A big thing with breweries around here is not to stay all day. Like, you know, if you walk into a brewery, you're not going to stay there for three, four, five hours. I've and, tried. <laughs> you know, you'd have to roll yourself out of there by the end of it. But, and I've done that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're looking for the people to just come in and try a flight, try a pint or two and move on to the next place. And we love to send people to, you know, we've got friends in every direction, whether it's Mobcraft and, you know, the Ale House or Eagle Park and Lakefront or, you know, 
third space city lights all those guys you know everybody's within a couple of miles of us and and they do the same for us they send people from their tap room and say hey the guys over at, at eagle park said they got to come over to broken bat and that just you know it, it creates a a really cool sort of sorority and fraternity of business owners that if we all succeed you know the city does well you know we're making more beer we're making more money and, and you can't complain about that all right, so the ideal world sounds like is a brewery on every corner where you're just constantly oh, pointing yeah. different yeah. directions and sending someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean the old you know corner bars are kind of a, a almost a myth to the rest of the country, but it, it's how Wisconsin was built, and Milwaukee especially. You know houses that are just you know corner bars now, and um, I think neighborhoods are starting to get that feel of there's a brewery in every neighborhood, and that's a really cool thing. And I guess I have an economics of brewing question. We and you guys are growing out of this, but mm-hmm. you probably have some insight into it. Is there a market for a brewery that is essentially just selling its own product at its front door and that's it? Where you guys have your tap room and previous to that you weren't distributing a lot? Is that something that's viable? Are we going to see more breweries like that? Or do you need to always be growing to sustain yourself in the brewing world? No, I don't think you always need to grow. Um, I know what you're saying. I think that there needs to be a mix of sizes for sure. So um, we were definitely or we are on the smaller end of breweries in Milwaukee. Um, And I think there will come a point where there's just not enough shelf space for distribution. So I, I do know that, you know, there's there's a lot of bottle shops and liquor stores and grocery stores, but um, there's only a certain amount of space that those places can put beer on the shelf. So I, I do think that there is a cap there, but in terms of people coming into your tap room, sitting down and having a pint or two, and then taking a four-pack to go, I, I don't see a cap on that in the near future. And but, you're able, as a business, to sustain yourself with that type of operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, Truly, before February, we had three outside customers um, that we were selling our beer to. So everything that we were doing, you know, sales-wise and, and operationally was um, we needed to get butts in the seats down in the tap room, and we were doing that. So, um, you know, it's just a different model. Some places come, some breweries come in, and they immediately hit distribution. They want to have their beer in as many places as possible and hope that people come into the tap room. We just started off small, and we had more of an inside-out business model where we wanted people to know where we were, what we were doing, kind of what our vibe is. And then hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, which we're at right now, we start to get the footprint out uh, into the market. So it was just a little bit of a reversal in, in a business model to start. Sure. So how much of a factor in your ability to grow is the fact that a brewery is coming in and I believe buying all your equipment yeah. and your space. Is that essential to kind of build the growth platform for you? Yeah, that was that was a, a huge piece of the pie. Um, so obviously it's an expensive endeavor and we have uh, a really awesome bank that backs us and some investors that really believed in the concept. But um, in order for us to move, we did need to sort of offload the equipment in the space that we had. So we don't own our space, but we do own everything inside of it. And I, I've seen this, this is playing out now. I, I'm interested if there's kind of brewery incubator spaces they're going to form in yeah, the city. Yeah. We've seen Brenner Brewing close mm-hmm. and it became Sprecher's Taproom, which is, this is not a great example of what I'm about to point out. But now we have Enlightened, Eagle Park, and now it's Component, Component. are all in the same space. Yeah. And the Lincoln Warehouse, uh, it seems like you might have now initiated a space that you is know, going on that same track. That's uh, that's a conversation that we had with uh, Chris um the guy who's coming into our spaces, we said, you know, I, we would love him to come into the the endeavor as this is not necessarily your full-time rest of your life home. Like, make this as incredible as possible. Grow your brand. Let people know what you're doing beer-wise. And hopefully in two or three years from now, 
you know, Chris is sitting in the same seat talking to you about how we bought a building, you know, down on the fifth ward or up on the north side or, you know, Menominee Valley. But yeah, we would love that space to just become every two or three years, you know, new breweries coming in. And that just goes to show that um, the beer market is, is flush with people and breweries are doing well. And if that's the case, you know, no complaints on this end. And so you mentioned buying a building. Are you guys buying the building on Pittsburgh? Yes. So um, it's a, a little bit of a unique structure to it. So we won't be the outright owners right away. But um, after the t- 2022 brewer season, more or less, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be we'll be owners of this space. Your baseball references are so entwined <laughs> that you measure time in baseball season. I tell you, it's either baseball season or it's not. After me, September so. call-ups, then I will have <laughs> yeah, this clearing on my exactly. calendar. I'm impressed. Okay, and so what? what is the maximum? You're at 2,500 barrels in that space. Mm-hmm. Where can you get to? Do you think that's a space that can accommodate 10, 20,000 barrels? Yeah, so it, it was definitely strategic in the, the size footprint that we were looking for buildings. Um, so we're not going to maximize the production space by any stretch. Um, we're going to start off with uh, equipment that we know we'll be able to capitalize and utilize right away. But there's room for you know, that number to probably quintuple if we needed to. Um, we don't want to move again. <laughs> per se. <laughs> so uh, I, I built the tap room twice down at our current spot and we're doing another build out right now. I'd like uh, I'd like this third build out to kind of be the last big move. And so I have a question about branding of your beer to, mm-hmm. to switch gears, I guess. Are there some beer names out there that you're just waiting to use? <laughs> yeah, I've got my little black book. You know, I've, I've, most of the ideas come, it sounds so dumb, but I'm usually just driving around or laying in bed or scrolling through Twitter or something and um, you know, I've got 25 years of baseball lingo to kind of go off of, but um, I watch a ton of baseball. I listen to, you know, Euchre and Jeff Lever and those guys on the radio, and um, sometimes just they'll say a little thing that'll just remind me of, oh, yeah, that was funny. That happened in the dugout 10 years ago, or I remember hearing somebody say this on the sidelines, and um, I can usually dumb it down and get it to a word or two or three so that, you know, you're not spitting out some crazy long beer name. But, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a pretty long list of beer ready to go and for out-of-town baseball fans i guess i've never checked this if i come into the brewery can i expect to be able to turn on any baseball game that's on the air so no i wouldn't say any we don't have the mlb network or we don't have like the package per se so that Um, hasn't been like a hot like i'm not gonna drink here (laughs) unless you get this package no we've we've had one guy throw a real fit about the tigers not being on a couple years ago but um we felt like if he was that big a fan he may have had the mlb package himself and we've got great free wi-fi if you want to log into your subscription, but um, we do always have, obviously, the Brewers on. We have MLB Network, so the Cubs are on in the afternoon a lot, um, and then we'll usually get a, a West Coast game, you know, if it's Angels, Mariners, A's, Giants, something like that. So. And you can be entertained by watching you actually brew beer during that. Yeah, Dan Dan's brewing when we're open for business a lot now because we have to. Um, it used to be he'd get it done in the morning or on our, you know, Monday or closed day or something, but um, yeah, he's, he's brewing and or cleaning kegs or cleaning tanks or filling kegs pretty much seven days a week these days. And what actually, I guess, how many employees are there that are working there? There's you, there's Dan. What goes into operating yeah. a space like you have now? Um, we have nine part-time employees. So Kelly is our, our great um, brew house assistant. He does a lot of the work with Dan. It's a lot of sludge work, to be honest with you. And I sometimes people think owning a brewery is all just glitz and glamour. And, you know, we could probably make people's head spins if they followed us around for a couple of days. But it's <laughs> it's mostly cleaning. Like, if you ask any brewmaster in the city, it's probably 85 to 90% just cleaning and the other 10% is actually brewing beer. But, um, yeah, I, I'm more in charge of front of the house and sort of the face of behind the bar. And, and then Dan's really in charge of the, the brew house and beer side. So... 
And what yeah. what happens when you go to the new space? Is there a vision already that, hey, we need to add 20 people once we get there? Or are you still working on uh, that? I think we'll be able to get by with a, a pretty skinny staff. Um, we've got an incredible staff as it is. Uh, most of the people that we have on have been with us since the first day that we hired, which was March of 18. Um, but we are probably going to need uh, an events coordinator. Um, we're going to need a, more of a general manager to, to help. You know, I'm going to be out doing outside sales more than I was now. Um, but for the most part... I think you have to call that a road trip in baseball parlance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jump on the bus. Um, but for the most part, um, we just have a really good group that understands if you work hard, we let you play hard. And, uh, you know, you can kind of make the most out of an opportunity like this because it's a really unique thing to work at a brewery. And it's uh, we like to think it's a privilege because it's a privilege for me to be the owner of it. And um, it's a privilege for Dan to be brewing beer for a living. You know, it's just not... It's not typical. So we like to, to think if you work hard, you play hard, and, and everybody hang around and work hard for us. And did Dan have brewing experience, really, before he did this? Was he just a home brewer? Or? Yeah, I, that sounds so negative. But, yeah, he was just a home brewer. Well, uh, the, I mean, I'm a, <laughs> I, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I'm always impressed people that, like, can actually scale up their ideas. So he did it He did it in a pretty good way. So his first time he ever brewed was obviously, like, that little northern brewer kit that you just do on the stovetop, and it was one gallon, and it was some of the worst-tasting liquid I've ever seen. Like it was terrible. <laughs> we still laugh about it, but um, he just kept scaling up and buying nicer stuff. And then finally, you know, four or five years ago, even longer than that, probably six, seven years ago, we uh, we bought some kegs and we cut the tops off and we used those as our brewing vessels. So it was actually stainless that we were brewing in, which is exactly the same that we're brewing in now. The biggest change that he's seen is just the amount of control temperature-wise that he has on the system. So with the the tanks that we bought, we did get two days of teaching, more or less, from the manufacturer. But after those two days, it was, here's the keys, jump off the cliff and hope the parachute opens. <laughs> and is Dan like a kid in the candy shop then, or is he terrified? Oh, yeah. No, he he just takes it head on. I mean, he... He's definitely, um, he's built for, for brewing. He's, uh, he's uh, attention to detail is great. Um, and stuff like that just doesn't rattle him. There's a lot of other things that'll rattle him. But, uh, you know, if you put me in the brew house, I would be shook. I, I don't have the first idea how to brew beer. Yeah, my beer would be called water. And yeah. you drink it coming yeah. out of the tap. It might be sweet because there's too much green in it or something. But um, that's the nice part about our, our relationship is um, I trust him so blindly on the beer side that I don't have to worry about it. And then when it comes to the business and branding and, and operational stuff, he just trusts me to uh, to make sure we head in the right direction. So it's kind of a nice little partnership we got. All right. Well, we have about a minute left, so I have to ask you the question I ask every guest. What is your favorite underrated bar or restaurant in the city? Underrated bar or restaurant. So I live down in Bayview with my wife, and uh, I don't know if it's underrated anymore, but we are just obsessed with good kind. Yeah, you got to pick something else. That is that's uh, way too I highly know. rated. Gosh darn it. Well, you know what's really cool is um, Grappi's, the, the food market, is really close to our house, and they have an awesome little uh, deli and wine and beer bar in the back. Um, if you ever get a chance to check it out, Grappi's is, uh, is can't miss. I must confess, I was there Friday night. It was absolutely oh, nice. packed. <laughs> yeah, so those are kind of our two uh, our two hot spots uh, down in the Bayview area. Yeah, good kind is a, a hot recommendation. I guess I know. I feel so bad, but it's it's as good as advertised. So I guess you got to give credit where credit's due. Well, that is an endorsement <laughs> right there. Anything else people should know about Broken Bat? You know, we just we love beer, we love baseball, and we love Milwaukee. So uh, love to have you check us out someday and 
Um, keep an eye on the expansion from April 2020. All right. Well, Tim Pauly, thank you for joining City Beat. <laughs> if you're interested in beer, brokenbatbrewery.com. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining City Beat. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to if you want to drink beer from a baseball bat. You are the only place I've ever seen to be able to do that. It's all quite the place. Broken Bat Brewery in the historic Third Ward. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Thanks, Jeremy.